millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to Curious Canadian History. I'm your host... David Boris. There is no doubt that Canada can boast an impressive array of musical talent. The country has artists, studios, producers, writers, labels, and all the trappings of one of the world's healthiest musical industries. Yet, many decades ago, most Canadians consumed music that was effectively American-made. What we listened to on the radio, the albums we bought, they were almost all packaged and shipped from south of the border. That is, until one Winnipeg band attempted a cheeky move to convince radio DJs that they were in fact from Great Britain and not Canada and were part of the musical movement known as the British Invasion. While this cheeky move has become the stuff of legend, the band has become legendary. In many ways, this band became Canada's first great rock and roll success. This is Season 7, Episode 14, The Guess Who. The book recommendation for today is by author Robert Lawson. And the title is Wheatfield Empire, The Listener's Guide to the Guess Who. This was published by Friesen Press in 2020. In the late 1950s, the Winnipeg music scene was surprisingly bumping. A number of bands were regularly performing at local venues, and there were a high number, surprisingly so, of talented musicians, often switching in and out of each other's groups, forming new bands, leaving old ones, reforming, etc. It's important to note the nature of Canadian rock and roll at this time, however. The key thing to keep in mind is that almost all Canadians got their music from the radio, and Canadian radio played a whole lot of American popular music. Even Canadian artists like Paul Anka, who was immensely popular in both Canada and the United States by the late 1950s, was being played on Canadian radio because of the resources of his American record label and the American musical infrastructure. 
This wasn't to say that Canadian radio did not play Canadian music. It certainly did. But national exposure for Canadian bands was almost non-existent unless they were backed by the American music industry. So in Winnipeg, while there were a bunch of great bands and great musicians, outside of that city and the surrounding region, almost nobody in the country would have heard of them. The same would have been for bands in Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, etc. You may have been known in your hometown, but it was almost impossible for a Canadian band to get any sort of national exposure unless that band went to the United States, signed with a U.S. label, and then was reshopped back into Canada with all the resources that that American label had. This was the reality of music in Canada in the 1950s and early 1960s, dominated heavily by American-made music, with local Canadian bands gaining some popularity in their hometowns and almost nothing outside of it. So into this environment, we have an early Winnipeg band called the Silvertones. It was formed by Winnipeg singer Chad Allen and bassist Jim Cale. In 1962, guitarist Randy Bachman and drummer Gary Peterson joined the group, and this was followed by keyboardist Bob Ashley, who made up the fifth member. With this five-person lineup, the band's name was changed to Chad Allen and The Reflections. But when an American group called The Reflections released their 1964 hit, Just Like Romeo and Juliet, a name change was needed. And thus, in 1965, Chad Allen and The Expressions was born. Now, at this time, rock music in both Canada and the United States was heavily influenced by British rock music, which had taken North America by storm in 1964. Bands like The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, The Yardbirds, The Who, The Kinks, all had songs on the North American charts and were redefining rock music. The expressions were very much a product of their time and heavily influenced by this paradigm shift in North American rock music. Now, the expressions gained a loyal following within Winnipeg and had some limited success. Enough that by 1963, the band was signed to Quality Records. This was a label out of Toronto. But of course, they suffered from the general reluctance of Canadian radio DJs playing Canadian bands. This is when producer George Struth came up with a novel idea. For their 1965 release, Shaking All Over, Struth released it under the name of Guess Who with a question mark. Effectively, Struth was trying to trick Canadian radio DJs into thinking this mysterious band was British. Now, there was no evidence either way to tell if this ploy worked. But what we do know is that Shaking All Over was a hit.
shaking all over. Shaking All Over reached number one in Canada and number 22 on the U.S. Hot 100 and resulted in the band keeping the name The Guess Who. They also kept the question mark. Now, capitalizing on the success of this single, the Guess Who, with a question mark, then embarked on a series of long tours with a variety of different bands. One year later, keyboardist Bob Ashley left the band. Now, according to John Einerson, a Guess Who biographer, Ashley left because of the rigors of touring. In an incredible stroke of luck, however, he was replaced by another Winnipeg musician, Burton Cummings. Now, according to some sources, by this time, Chad Allen was beginning to experience vocal issues due to the constant strain of touring, performing, gigging, and Cummings quickly began to take over more of the lead vocal work. However, by late 1966, Chad Allen left the band, and Cummings became its new lead singer. Then disaster struck. In 1966, the band released its next album, It's Time, the final album to actually have Chad Allen singing on it, and they then embarked on a UK tour, that is a tour of the United Kingdom, the very next year. However, the lead single, His Girl, had dropped off the UK charts by the time the band arrived, and the tour was an abject failure, and this resulted in the band going into significant debt. Now, Interestingly, in order to pay back this debt from the failed UK tour, the band returned to Canada and got a gig as the house band for the CBC TV variety show Let's Go, hosted by none other than Chad Allen. Over the next several years, the band released a string of songs, some that charted top 40 in Canada, but no major hits. One of their songs, Hurting Each Other, was eventually a hit for the band The Carpenters, but in general, the Guess Who seemed to be in a purgatory-like stasis. Serious musical success seemed to be just out of reach. Nonetheless, by 1968, the four-man lineup of Bachman, Cummings, Kale, and Peterson were running on all cylinders, and this four-man lineup is often considered the classic Guess Who lineup. 1968 was a turning point year, however. They dropped the question mark from the band's name, and they discovered a producer who was going to change their life. And we'll find that out after the break. Curious Canadian history. We'll be back after the break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So why was 1968 such a turning point? Well, that was the year that the producer, Jack Richardson, bought their contract from Quality Records for $1,000. 
then took out a second mortgage on his own house and helped fund the band's 1969 album, Wheatfield Soul. This investment paid off. The highest charting song off this album was the classic These Eyes, which charted top 10 in both Canada and the United States. up the success of Wheatfield Soul with another Jack Richardson production in Canned Wheat. There's a theme here. Canned Wheat saw the single Laughing reach number one on the Canadian singles chart and number 10 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. I should laugh But I cry Because your love has passed me by You took me by surprise You didn't realize That I was waiting Time goes slowly But carries on And now the best years Have come and gone You took me by surprise I didn't realize It was clear after canned wheat that the band was gaining some serious momentum, but nothing would prepare them for 1970. Because in 1970, they released an album whose title track was one of the most iconic songs in Canadian music history, American Woman. Let me be 
There have been many stories told as to how they wrote this song. But the one story most agreed upon is that during a concert, some say at a curling rink in southern Ontario, Bachman was improvising a riff because one of his strings had broken. The rest of the band joined in, and Cummings started coming up with random lyrics, one of which was, American woman, stay away from me. In the aftermath of this concert, the band wrote the rest of it, inspired heavily by their own experiences touring in the United States. And it was a smash. It reached number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, making the Guess Who the first Canadian rock group to ever do so. But often overlooked is the fact that on the B-side was a refashioned version of this song called No Sugar Tonight. As their third single from the album American Woman, it hit number one in Canada and number five in the United States. American Woman, as an album, reached number nine on the Billboard Pops album chart. Despite the fact this would be the only top ten album the Guess Who ever had, the Guess Who were now bonafide North American rock stars. But things within the band were not going nearly as well as the band was doing on the charts. Randy Bachman, now the iconic Guess Who guitarist, was growing disillusioned with the rock and roll lifestyle. In 1966, Bachman had converted to Mormonism when he married his wife, and by 1970, the lifestyle choices of much of the band were coming into conflict with his personal beliefs. This coupled with health issues related to his gallbladder, led to him leaving the band at the absolute height of the band's popularity. Bachman would eventually team up again with Chad Allen to form Brave Belt, and from Brave Belt would come another extremely successful Canadian rock act known as Bachman-Turner Overdrive. Despite the departure of Bachman, the guess who, however, were not slowing down. Replacing Bachman on guitar were two Winnipeg guitarists, Kurt Winter and Greg Lescu. Winter quickly became one of Cummings' key writing partners, and this collaboration was made apparent on the 1970 Guess Who album, Share the Land. Winter wrote Hand Me Down World and this track, Bus Rider.
Now, Winter and Cummings collaborated on this song, Hang On to Your Life. Now, despite all these songs being absolutely massive, the most successful single was actually this track, titled Share the Land. Have you been around? Have you done your share of coming down? Different things that people do Have you been aware You got brothers and sisters who care About what's gonna happen to you In a year from now Maybe I'll be there to shake your hand Maybe I'll be there to share the land That they'll be giving away When we all live together I'm talking about together now Maybe I'll be there Shake your hand Maybe I'll be there to share the land Let that be given away When we all live together I'm talking about together now The single, Share the Land, peaked at number 10 in the United States and number 2 in Canada. The album, also called Share the Land, peaked at number 14 on the Billboard Pop Albums chart. Now, despite this immense success, from this point on, the Guess Who lineup began to change quite rapidly. In 1971, the band released the album So Long Banatine, named after a Winnipeg street, but this was followed by Lescue leaving the band to pursue a solo career, and he was replaced by Donnie McDougall. The band then recorded a live album, 
at the Paramount Theater in Seattle, followed by the 1972 studio album Rocking. This would be the last album with Jim Cale, who left the band to join Scrubaloo Kane. Now, this band, Scrubaloo Kane, despite its crazy name, had some modest success in the mid 70s. And interestingly, as an aside, in 1974, Scrubaloo Kane was nominated at the Junos for Most Promising Act, only to lose out to none other than Bachman Turner Overdrive. But this will not be the last we hear of Jim Cale. Cale was replaced by another Winnipeg artist, bassist Bill Wallace, who then played on the 1973 studio album Artificial Paradise. That same year, the band released Number 10, aptly titled as it was the band's 10th studio release. While both albums did okay, their 1974 album, Road Food, brought them increased commercial success with the single Clap for the Wolfman, which was a top 10 in Canada and the US, as well as Star Baby, which actually stayed on the Billboard Hot 100 charts for 19 weeks. Now that year, 1974, Winter and McDougal left the band. Many sources have stated they were actually dismissed though these reasons are still quite obscure. The two of them were replaced by guitarist Dominic Troiano. Troiano was the first member of the band not to be from Winnipeg. Originally born in Italy, his family emigrated to Toronto in the mid-60s, and Troiano actually cut his teeth playing with Ronnie Hawkins. So at this point, let's do a quick lineup check. We have Burton Cummings as the lead, Bill Wallace on bass, Dominic Troiano on guitar, and of course the classic Gary Peterson on the drums. Now when Troiano joined the band, he took up the songwriting mantle left by Winter, but this saw the band move away from their rock origins towards a more progressive rock-jazz style. This new sound frustrated Cummings, and Cummings then formally disbanded the band in 1975 after their album, Flavors. But this is where things get interesting. Certainly, with the departure of Cummings, it seemed like the Guess Who were done. But in 1976, RCA Records released a Guess Who album called The Way They Were, which was a collection of unreleased tracks from back when Bachman was still in the band. And this album generated some interest from fans. Later the next year, the CBC approached the Guess Who, about a potential reunion show. Cummings was busy with his own solo career, so he declined. Bachman had only recently left BTO and was about to embark on his own solo career, so he declined. And this left Kale and Peterson. Now, according to most sources, during this time period, Kale discovered that nobody had ever registered the copyright to the Guess Who. And thus, Kale did it. Effectively, he became the owner of of the band that was the Guess Who. And he reformed this band with Winter, McDougal, and Peterson. And this new Guess Who, or what one critic once called the fake Guess Who, was an even more rapid merry-go-round of players as people left and new people joined. This new incarnation released albums in 1978, 1979, and 1981, all of which suffered lackluster sales. It seemed the sound of this new Guess Who was not something fans were all that interested in. Yet, 
Various incarnations of the classic Guess Who lineup would reform at different points over the ensuing decades. Bachman, Cummings, Kale, and Peterson did a 1983 tour together, and they reformed again in 87 when the band was inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. But both Cummings and Bachman had limited interest in continuing to reform Guess Who?, They did join the band for a 1997 Red River Flood benefit concert, but their relationship with Kale was becoming strained over the fact that Kale owned the Guess Who brand. Despite this growing divide between the classic lineup players, Kale and Peterson continued to reform different versions of the Guess Who for touring and recording throughout the 1990s. Several tours were launched and albums were released in 1995, 1998, and 1999, though the albums all received fairly negative feedback from fans and critics alike. Yet the classic Guess Who were not quite done yet. Cummings and Bachman, along with Peterson, McDougall, and Wallace, notably absent was Kale, set out on a cross-Canada tour in 2000. This tour was a massive success. It became one of the highest-grossing tours in Canadian history. It produced a live double album, which would eventually go double platinum. In fact, within one week of its release, it went gold. And they even played the halftime show at the 2000 Grey Cup in Calgary. That was an epic year for the band. In 2003, the same lineup performed in Toronto for a SARS benefit concert, which estimated its audience at 450,000 people. That show is the largest outdoor ticketed event in Canadian history. Weirdly, Kale's iteration of the Guess Who also continued to play and perform and release music during this period, but generally speaking, this version was largely ignored. By this point, Kale's relationship with both Cummings and Bachman was pretty sour, so much so that the two classic players were no longer allowed to use the Guess Who name, so they toured together simply as Bachman Cummings. In fact, in 2005, the two players launched a class action lawsuit to take back the name, but were unsuccessful. Cummings and Kale, in particular, have had a very public feud over this issue. And in an interview with the Free Press back in 2012, Kale said, and I quote, Cummings signed off on the name in 1977, and he hasn't stopped pissing and moaning ever since. What the hell did he think I was going to do? Start a scrapbook? Here I was with a whopping grade 10 education, and I don't have a trade, and I'm too old for a paper route. I gotta make a living. End quote. Tension aside, the Guess Who have a list of achievements, awards, and recognitions a mile long. The band was inducted into the Canada Walk of Fame in 2001, though Kale's signature on the commemorative plaque is absent. In 2002, Bachman, Cummings, McDougall, Peterson, and Wallace received the Governor General's Performing Arts Award for Lifetime Achievement in Arts. In Canada, Out of 14 studio albums, 11 have been certified gold with sales of 50,000 units, and 5 have been certified platinum with sales of 100,000 units. In the United States, 5 of their studio albums achieved gold, this means 500,000 units were sold, and 3 of their studio albums reached platinum, 
This means 1 million units sold. The band has won two Junos and has been nominated multiple times. In 2005, American Woman was chosen by the CBC as the fifth best Canadian song of all time. And Lenny Kravitz actually won a Grammy for best rock performance for his version of that song back in 1998. The band is undoubtedly one of the most influential rock acts in Canadian music history. They were one of the first homegrown acts ever in this country to achieve success in the U.S. without the use of the U.S. musical infrastructure. And in many ways, the early success of the Guess Who ushered in a long period of increasingly excellent Canadian music, which continued to translate across the continent and across our southern border. From 1970 onwards, more and more Canadian bands released better and better music, backed by increasing regulations by the Canadian government, which sought to protect and promote Canadian music. The Guess Who were at the very beginning of what would eventually become the golden age of Canadian popular music. I want to thank you all for listening today. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Doc Boris. That's at D-O-C-B-O-R-Y-S. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Patreon. And you can find us on all podcast listening devices. And please do not hesitate to write and leave a comment. We love to hear from you. I'm David Boris. Stay curious, friends. Friends.